Are you looking for an affordable health care option? Are you upset by the health insurance options offered by the ACA? Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com and click the banner ad for the Alliance for Shared Health to sign up for health sharing. ASH is a health share ministry with over 40,000 households participating. As a member, you share in the financial burden of healthcare expenses, including needs sharing for critical illnesses, accidents, dental, and vision. You can access the virtual care provider at zero cost, pick up your prescription from the pharmacy using the share prescription card, and order lab and imaging tests at discounts of up to 80%. Open enrollment is now. Don't miss out on the chance to save 50 to 70% on your monthly premiums while making a difference in the lives of others who share your values. Reach out to Ash today. Head over to StacyOnTheRight.com, click the banner ad, and sign up now. That's StacyOnTheRight.com. Click the banner ad and start sharing and saving today. Alliance for Shared Health. Changing healthcare, changing lives. This is a test of the emergency podcast system. Activated by contract termination. Rumors of our demise are greatly exaggerated. Welcome to Stacy on the Right with your host, Stacy Washington. She's blessed to be a Bible reading, gun toting, Air Force veteran, wife, and mom, righteously American. All right, welcome to Stacy on the Right here on Family Vision Media. I am so excited to introduce our next guest to you. We have Vivek Ravaswamy. He's a Harvard undergrad and Yale Law School grad, an entrepreneur, author of the upcoming book, Woke Inc. It's coming out in August. He's a frequent guest opinion writer at the Wall Street Journal and also just an all-around interesting person who has a background in the sciences, in business and entrepreneurship, and in commentating on political issues that intersect all of those categories. So, Vivek, thank you for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Stacey. So I'm excited because I think when I was reading the article that you wrote for Newsweek, it's entitled Save America's Workers from the Church of Wokeness. And you can find the link in the podcast show notes as you're listening to this, dear listeners. Um, I, I just I start off with, first of all, you encapsulate so many more of the issues and, and the tentacles that this kind of movement or tendency that we're currently operating under, these tentacles touch every area of our lives. So we can't just say that woke politics is something that politicians and people who are politically minded have to deal with. This can touch every area of life. And you start off by discussing Disney firing actress Gina Carano after making a really, it was a normal, it was an accurate comparison of Nazi persecution of Jews to the persecution of conservatives in America today. They fired her, and then they kind of expected for people to just accept it and move on. But instead, there was a backlash, and then you move on to Coca-Cola. So can you talk about how, how you view this issue and why it's so important for us all to be involved and aware of what's happening here? Sure. So woke politics is frightening, but it is the least frightening of the ways in which woke culture has actually taken control of all of our institutions in our culture, including our schools, including our universities. And most importantly, over the last several years, including our companies. And that's really when woke culture became supercharged, when it entered this arranged marriage with capitalism, where there was this quiet, unspoken grand bargain between big business and woke activists, which went something like this, that if you progressives who in the prior generation were at the forefront of the Occupy Wall Street revolution, instead, if you took up this new cause of, of wokeism, we'll enter this grand bargain with you where 
we will advance your values. And in return, you will agree to leave our big business, our power is big business, especially for big tech, our big tech monopoly status intact. And that was the arranged marriage, the unholy alliance, the grand bargain in the virtual closed back room that ultimately supercharged the woke movement with all of the potency of contemporary capitalism. And today, that's not something the government alone can fight. Because, yes, if you're Ronald Reagan in 1980, maybe you can take aim at big government as the enemy, as he did correctly back in 1984 decades ago. But today, the challenge is different. It's on the, the battle lines are on the front lines of our culture at our universities, at our at our K through 12 schools, at our companies where we work, where, you know, look, I think that it's not an exaggeration, Stacey, to say that a lot of everyday Americans have to face a choice today between being able to either speak their mind freely at work or be able to keep their job and put food on the dinner, dinner table. And I don't think that America is a place that forces you to choose between the American dream and free speech or between keeping your job or being able to, to have the right thoughts. Yet that's the environment that we've begun to live in today. And, and that's why I felt it was so important to begin speaking out and writing, because you know, thankfully, I'm in a position where I don't have to risk putting food on the dinner table in order to speak my mind. And for those many people who are, I felt it was important to be able to give them a voice. And I think more leaders who find themselves in that position ought to speak up too. Actually, I think it's courageous because while you're not concerned about being canceled yourself, it can bring a lot of backlash and it takes a lot of time to deal with hate mail, hate DMs. You know, people will follow you all over social media. I'm a veteran of this phenomenon and it can really suck the joy out of your everyday living having to deal with that. So for you to step out and write an article in a huge publication like Newsweek covering this story and talking about the, its implications, it's an act of bravery. And I wish more people would undertake it, especially at your level. And so in your piece, you talk about the other examples and how they abound and that they are all cases of religious discrimination, but not in the way that we might think. Can you can you share this? This is to me is like the the deeper dive on what you're talking about, because a lot of us have heard of Gina Carano. A lot of us heard of online training from Coca-Cola. But where you go into Title seven is where I think a lot of people have no idea just how far reaching this can be. Absolutely. So, so this is important to understand where people look at the Civil Rights Act and they understand that that means that you can't discriminate if you're a business on the basis of race or religion or national origin. It, it, there's a range of protected or gender or today on the back of the Supreme Court's ruling in Bostock on, on the basis of sexual orientation. Well, guess what? That also protects everyday employees in the workplace from being discriminated against on the basis of religious belief, but as you said, not in the way that you might think. It's not that Gina Carano necessarily had a religious belief that she was expressing and was discriminated against. That wasn't what was happening. No. The essence of what's happening today is that wokeness has itself turned into a religion. It meets all of the legal standards for the definition of a religion as applied by the Supreme Court and other federal courts. And what Title VII also says, it's, it's actually a less appreciated side of the equation, is that you cannot, as an employer, enforce your religion on your everyday employees, just as you couldn't enforce that religion if it were Islam or Christianity. You can't enforce it if it were wokeism either, just because the secular religion doesn't give it an exemption. And in fact, I think that that is the secular religion that is being singularly enforced by not just companies, but by employers in the nonprofit sector, by employers in education, by employers across our country today with impunity, so they think. So I think it's going to take brave plaintiffs to be able to step up, test these cases in court. And I think they have a great chance of winning. I'm personally helping uh, identify some of those cases to be able to forge these battle lines to be fought in the courtroom. 
yes, one day I do think the right answer is going to have to be amending the Civil Rights Act and saying that not only is religious discrimination outlawed, but we also outlaw discrimination on the basis of political belief, because that is happening up and down across our country today. But even in absence of that legislative fix, the good news is that the existing statute, along with the case law as it stands, actually outlaws the kinds of things that you're seeing from companies like Disney or like Coca-Cola or any other range of big businesses across the country that are enforcing this new ideology, this new dogma, this new orthodoxy down the throats of their employees. And if one of those employees doesn't want to take it and ultimately is going to object to it, they have a legal recourse in court. So that's kind of groundbreaking. Like, I feel like, you know, glass is shattering right now all over the place because of the statement you just made, because most Americans understand that they can't be told you can't work here anymore because you practice Islam or you practice Christianity. But most people don't understand that their political viewpoints are protected in this manner due to this case law. So, uh, you know, the cases that you quote in, in your article are... These are not ones that you like that that movies have been made about or that people are aware of. Most of us aren't aware of any names of cases unless it's a national news story. Um, but you go into a little bit more here. You talk about um, the Third Circuit explaining in twenty seven and Fallon B. Mercy Catholic Medical Center isolated moral teachings like objections to the flu vaccine rather than a comprehensive system of beliefs about fundamental or ultimate matters including ones that give adherents a sense of purpose or moral code. I want to expound on that a little bit because this is how people can tell if they're listening to the podcast and they're experiencing something like this at work. This to me seems to be kind of almost like a litmus test as to whether or not they should go further and pursue legal action as you suggested here, which I think is a brilliant idea and will make people who are practicing this wokeness, they kind of have to sit back on their heels and realize there are limits to what they can do to other people who don't hold the same views that they hold. Yes, yeah, so Stacey, you're right. Let, let me walk you through the legal argument here. Okay, I'll, I'll try to make it as simple as I can, and it, it actually is pretty simple at its core. So Title VII protects religious employees from being fired for their beliefs, but it equally protects non-religious employees from being fired for refusing to endorse or bow down to the employer-mandated religion. That came from a 1997 case called Venters versus City of Delphi, where the court said that what matters in that context isn't so much what the employee's religious beliefs were, but whether or not the employee was fired because he didn't share his or her employer's religious beliefs. Okay, so, so then that tees up the question of whether wokeness today in the United States actually qualifies as a religion under Title VII. If it does, then anyone who's fired or even feels threatened for being fired or is in a hostile workplace because they are forced to go through diversity trainings and so-called diversity trainings that are actually enforcing a dogma of, about, about white privilege and the kinds of, kinds of tenets of wokeism today, if they don't want to do that, the question is, do those training sessions count as forcing an employer-mandated religion down the throat of an employee? And as surprising as it might seem, the legal answer to that question is almost certainly yes, because the Supreme Court's definition of religion used to require a belief in God, but the court abandoned that position over about 60 years ago in this, in this little-known case called Tarasco versus Watkins. And, and today, there's actually good laws and rules, including those that are administered by the EEOC, the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission, the, the commission that administers Title VII, which says that a belief is religious, and it, it could include even non-theistic or ethical beliefs as long as it really goes to whether those are sincerely held with the strength of traditional legal views. And it wasn't just the EEOC. There's this Third Circuit case that you referred to as well, Founders and Mercy Catholic Medical Center, which said that, okay, isolated moral teachings may not count, 
but a comprehensive system of beliefs about fundamental or ultimate matters, those are ones that count. Those are the ones that give their adherents a sense of purpose, a moral code. And if modern wokeness does anything, it addresses those fundamental and ultimate matters and gives its adherents that sense of purpose with a moral code. In fact, I particularly think that the Supreme Court's definitions and the Third Circuit's definitions fit wokeness to a T. And if you think about one of the cases, it's such a, a sort of a funny case in retrospect, it's a case by the name of Peterson versus Wilmer, which held there's this religion. It's a, it's a goofy religion, if you ask me, but, but that, that's beside the point. It's a religion called creativity, which was a non-theistic religion that said that white supremacy was its main axiom, and it still counted as a religion because creativity, that religion, taught its adherents that you ought to live your lives according to the principle that what's good for white people is ultimately good and what's bad for white people is ultimate sin. Okay, I don't subscribe to that religion. You probably don't either. But if creativity, professing white supremacy, is a religion under our legal standards, then wokeness, which is effectively anti-white supremacy, ultimately has to be too. And so I, so I can go through sort of more and more examples, uh, uh, you know, of what features of wokeism actually have the religious hallmarks, all the way from its catechism to its excommunication to its rituals to the kind of professed apologies. The, the procedures of wokeism fit the court's definition of religion more closely than some of these other non-theistic belief systems, which I'm happy to do. But, but as you know, I could go on for a while about this. So just wanted to pause <laughs> there on the basic legal argument. Well, Vivek, we could listen for we could listen on because the the, the way that you're explaining the cases is actually it's palatable. We can actually get into um, creativity as a religion or you also expound on onion head. <laughs> As a religion, yeah, I mean, um, I, mean it's, I, I have to admit, I did, I did have some fun while writing this one. I did pick <laughs> some examples that were particularly entertaining to me. <laughs> and me, if if, you, know, you got to keep your humor, but but right. but I didn't have to make up the humor. These are actual cases. So, so there was this other case in, in you know about a decade and a half ago, and and I'm not I'm not making up the name. It, the name of this so-called belief system is called Onion Head. It is, it is a, it wasn't even, it, they didn't even think about it as a religion. The company didn't think of advancing a religion. They thought they were advancing Onion Head, which was this positive thinking belief system. It said that you had to adopt a sense of positivity at your place of work, that, that your choices, not just chance, determine what your human destiny ultimately is. But that's actually not that different than what they teach you in today's diversity and inclusion sessions. I've been to many of these. In fact, they teach you just the exact opposite, that actually it was your destiny based on your skin color that you inherited on the date of your birth or the gender that you inherited on the date of your birth or the gender that you choose for that matter that mm -hmm. may actually determine what you're able to achieve, not hard work, not dedication, not passion for your work. Okay, you can agree or not with the underlying tenets, but if one of those is a religion, the other one certainly is too. And so I want to be really careful where it's probably clear that, that you and I may come out on one side of the debate about wokeism, but the the argument we're making here isn't necessarily a judgmental argument about whether this is a religion that one should or shouldn't subscribe to. It's just highlighting that using the legal definitions for a religion, it meets the test for a religion. And I think the most dangerous religions in the United States are those that operate as religions, but under the veil of not being one in the first place. The United States is, is a religiously pluralistic society and one that I'm proud is, is, is religiously pluralistic for being that way. But it is dangerous when we ultimately force orthodoxies down the throats of so-called adherents without them recognizing that the thing that they're actually subscribing to is a religion in the end. Mm -hmm. So I think that's actually the most important point.
point that has legal consequences, but also has consequences for the everyday awareness of people who are asked to recite catechisms that they may not believe in, who are at risk of being excommunicated from their church, which in the modern world might be being fired from your job, if they don't adhere to that same, if they don't adhere to that same orthodoxy either. So calling it out as a religion is legally important. It's going to give a lot of these employees cases in court, and some of those I think are going to be the groundbreaking civil rights cases of our century. But even more importantly than that, it allows people to see the essence of what's actually happening is that there's this new orthodoxy. It's a secular religion, and it's being jammed down the throat of anyone who ultimately would otherwise not agree if they didn't have a gun to their head. And that gun is effectively the threat of not being able to get into college or not being able to get a good grade if you're a kid in high school or not being able to keep your job if you're an ordinary employee in corporate America. So I just want to, first of all, the, the, the brilliance with which you are sharing all of the different connections here is what is going to enable people to actually see that they're in, they're caught in this trap unwittingly um, and that there is a means by which they can extract themselves. And that is so important because right now, a lot of the people who call my Sirius XM show feel dejected and discouraged and they feel as if they have no out. You either remain silent and crush your own beliefs behind a wall of, of you know, fear or you express yourself and lose everything. You're providing a third option here which is actually uniquely American because our country with our constitution and our bill of rights, it actually says these, this is, this is how you are allowed to live. These are your freedoms. They're God given, but they're protected by the constitution. And then if someone violates that, you can take legal recourse. That's not always available in other countries. So it makes America very unique. And for us to feel that we don't have that means um, it's, it's actually not accurate. It's, it's more accurate to describe it in the way that you have, which is, you just have to know what the law says. And this is difficult for those of us who are outside of that realm, but for you to open that up and explain it for us, it's invaluable. I want to say thanks so much for coming on. And we're definitely, for those who listen to the podcast and Sirius XM Nightly Show, Vivek will be joining us to talk about his book, which I want to pump one more time. August is the release month. It's called Woke Inc. That's when it's coming out. Vivek Ravaswani. Harvard undergrad, Yale law grad, entrepreneur of many companies, author of the upcoming book, Woke Inc. Uh, thank you so much for your time today and for explaining this to us so we can now take recourse and access our rights. So great to talk to you. Great talking to you, Stacey. Thank you. All right. Thank you so much. You can find out more at StaceyOnTheRight.com. Also, don't forget to click the banner ad for our Lines for Shared Health. Health Sharing Ministry, where you can escape Obamacare if you need to. Click the link. <laughs>